Good morning. This is Mike Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. So what's really happening in the real estate market? What's happening with financing, multifamily, hotels? I don't have the answers. So today I've brought the Senior Executive Managing Director of Meridian Capital, David Sheckman, to the show to tell us what's really happening in the world. You spoke to me the other day, and you basically said to me that the, 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 it's, it's discreet. The world is really not doing well. There's, there are certain opportunities, but it's not – the first part of the year wasn't good. So what, what's happening now for the balance of the year? Well, uh, first off, it's always an honor to be with you, Michael. Um, happy to be here today. The first half of the year across the board for commercial real estate in New York City was, was really a big question mark. Um, we were dealing with interest rates. Over the past 24 months, we've, we've nearly seen across the board a 100% increase in interest rates. We've seen two major bank failures, and, and we have a lot of question marks about who's going to be putting out money and, and where the value lies. I think by the time summer came around, people realized that New York is open for business. I heard a statistic yesterday that uh, office occupancy has risen to 58 or, or 60 percent, depending on who you believe. And if that's true, I think another barometer is the, the traffic. We're seeing more people in, in, in the five boroughs leaving for work and coming home from work. But ultimately, we've got some headwinds that are um, just really uh, w- without dispute. Uh, we've got uh, tremendous interest rates. We're in 25, 30-year highs. Um, we've got taxes, which are going no place but up. Uh, we've got a, a tremendous problem to solve with our migrant crisis, according to the mayor um, and anybody who reads the papers or walks the streets. And we have two major changes to the way we – technological changes. We shop differently. Brick-and-mortar retail is just different fundamentally now for years. And the way we office, even if we have uh, Jamie Dimon banging on the table telling people they're going to be back in their office four to five days a week, the truth of the matter is the offices are leased, but, but very few people are doing five days a week. So the city is trying to solve that. New York is uh, Manhattan's always been a bedroom community, but it's also been a live workplace. Now you can work from anywhere. So there's some real questions as to where do values go. So and where where are values? We were talking the other day about the office buildings. Office buildings is one specific topic. Well, you know, when you talk about office buildings, uh, and, and again, we're provincial, we're talking about New York. I, I'll forget about the rest of the country. It's really a tale of uh, two office buildings. You've got Class A, and then you have everything else. So when we talk about the towers, the towers have rebounded. Um, you have major uh, corporations and the concerns that occupy them commanding their folks to come back. And while leasing volume is down and leasing pricing is down, there are leases being signed in the, in the shiny, gleaming towers. But if you look in the evening, 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night, no longer do people burn the midnight oil in mass in the city. Um, I think as a general proposition, um, people believe that these office buildings are worth less because people are officing in mass less. However, they are definitely picking up steam, and and there's a renewed interest. I'm glad to say that there is a huge contrarian bet, um, really since uh, July and August of this year, really only in the past four to six weeks, we're starting to see a lot of foreign capital 
And as a true New Yorker, foreign as anybody who's not from New York or that exotic place, New Jersey, we're seeing office owners from Chicago, Toronto, Asia, Europe. They're all coming to New York and saying, you know what? I think what goes down will certainly come up. I'm interested in buying an office building, so I'm glad for that. But then you talk about the Class B and the Class C office buildings, those mid-block garment center um, or, or in the not in the, the midtown core. A lot of those buildings are struggling. Those buildings were selling for five, $600 an existing foot. To the extent that they're being sold or there's transactions happening, they're cut nearly in half. Besides being cut in half, who's lending on these properties? Well, therein lies the rub. Um, so you you find an office building, and, and um, you know we're in the market with a handful of them. You find a bidder who says, you know what? I'm not in this for one or two years. I believe in New York in perpetuity. I'm going to buy this building, and I'm going to hold it ad infinitum. I don't need to sell it in three years because I think in 10 or 15 years, I'm going to be the smartest uh, office building owner in the world. And they're probably right. So they go out. But they, but they have to have the holding power to pay their operating expenses. Their insurance has gone up. Their taxes have gone up. So there are certain problems. Well, that's a great point, Michael. If, if you look at historically who has bought these office towers, they've generally, been, they've generally been institutions and private equity that buy these things, and inside of three, five, or seven years, they sell them or have another capital event like a refinance so they can return that money to their shareholders and investors. All of our Rolodexes have turned upside down in the brokerage world. The people who are coming in today are the people who don't have to borrow their equity. They certainly need mortgages. Nobody buys a $100, $200 million building without a mortgage. But a lot of these folks are generational holders. They're people like life companies whose cost of capital is less. They're making a bet that in 7 or 10 or 12 years, their money's going to double. And today, there are buyers. People are making what I like to call the John Paulson contrarian bet. Um, but the truth is, time will heal everything. Um, this city, uh, like all other cities, is resilient. And I think, I think office in the long term is a good bet, albeit with a paradigm shift in What pricing. about the conversion of office to residential? What's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, you know, the fundamental issue with conversion from office to residential is even if we didn't have a morass of red tape and legislators, although they may be well-meaning, they don't move quickly and they don't move in unison. So laboring under the assumption that they all allowed it to happen and the zoning permitted it, which is the first stumbling block, and we're moving in that direction, the issue is a lot of these buildings are antiquated. If you take a side street building in the West 30s just off of 6th Avenue, that, that is a 1940s or 1950s vintage. You have eight-foot eight, eight foot ceilings at best, and you have a, an absolute rabbit warren of rooms. In order to gut that thing and create the light and air and entrances and exits necessary to support residences, it's almost cost prohibitive. My bet, Mike is I'm going to make it here, you're going to see the values of some of these buildings decline so significantly that it pays to buy them, tear them down, and build them up again. J.P. Morgan did it, although it's not for a conversion uh, to residential, but J.P. Morgan decided, and it was a great bet right on Park Avenue, you know what? We're going to tear down this edifice and make something new because it's antiquated stock. 
What about the Supreme Court case? Which Supreme Court case? I guess we should limit it to real estate here today. Yes, specifically to real estate, Well, especially in multifamily in New York City. Look, I, I, I think that anybody from, from brokers to owners to certainly people who are in, in tenancy and all of their advocates and, and housing rights advocates, um, I don't think there is a true New Yorker who, doesn't dis, who would dispute that there is a need for rent-regulated and rent-stabilized housing. Hard stop. We all believe that. We believe that people who've spent decades in, in an apartment whose income is fixed or living in Social Security, they shouldn't be kicked out for a whole bunch of yuppies who are willing to, turn, to triple or quadruple the price. The problem is our rent regulation system in New York has been so perverted and twisted that the lion's share of the rent-regulated units are indeed populated by people who could probably pay closer to free market. So I think the Supreme Court case, if it does in fact reverberate and it becomes the law of the land here in New York, I think it would be a great idea to hit pause on rent regulation, to take a deep dive into each individual unit, make sure people who deserve it, and I think that the first reforms were, you know, were done in the 70s, um, I think it needs to be overhauled because the abuse outweighs the legitimate beneficiaries. Last question, signature bank loans. Signature bank loans. So I, I'm bound in, in on certain instances by confidentiality. I am not a broker engaged to sell them on behalf of the FDIC. Um, but as a market observer solely, I think it's very interesting. You've got tens of billions of dollars of loans tied right here to the fir, uh, five boroughs which are presently being marketed, and you've got uh, a, a whole cabal of bidders. I think it's going to be very interesting to see where these loans are valued, although there's a huge asterisk on this sale. These are not just sales that are going to be – the pricing is going to define by market bidding, but it's a little bit perverted. You have the FDIC bolstering it. Some of the pools are being sold where you can only buy – my understanding is 20% of the pool. Some of them you can only buy 5% of the equity. The debt and partial equity is being provided by the FDIC. I think a lot of portfolio lenders and, and other lenders were waiting to see where these things trade so that they can then mark to market their own comparable product. The only problem is if the pricing is being bolstered by the FDIC, I really don't think it's a fair benchmark for where values are today. But it's going to be a historical sale. I think whomever buys it over time will make money because when values return, if you've bought it at a discount to value, your listeners can fill in the rest. It's another iteration of the FD, it's another iteration of savings and loans or RTC. Okay, I'd like to thank David Sheckman for being here and giving his views on the state of the real estate market. See you next week.